Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Creep Me Out with Tarot Reader Peter. In this show, I will be using my knowledge of witchcraft and the occult, as well as my intuitive gifts, to help advise and critique listener-submitted creepy stories and experiences. From time to time, I may share a story of my own, or even stray from reading stories to discuss specific occult topics that I find interesting or important. Due to the nature of the subject matter that we will be discussing, some listeners may find the following stories shocking or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. So guys, after taking a break for a week, we're back, and this is episode 10. We made it to 10 episodes, and instead of reading stories today, I wanted to go back to the roots of this creep me out idea and where it started from. And so many of you probably know, and maybe some of you don't know, this Creep Me Out segment started in my Instagram stories a few years ago, where basically I would ask people to send me their creepy experiences and weird dreams and all sorts of strange things, and then I would critique them in my stories. And it was always a lot of fun, and I know a lot of other people enjoyed it too. So That's exactly what I've done for today. I put a creep me out box in my story on Instagram and I'm going to be reading some of the responses and giving a critique to those. So let's get started here. We'll dive right in with our first response. The day after a fallout with my father, there was a severed snake head on my doorstep. What does this mean? So... Snakes in the occult represent messages and hidden messages, and then a severed snake head actually represents a negative situation, like a really tough negative situation, that often results in a positive outcome. But when I read this, it sparked some weird fact in my head that, did you know that if you cut off a snake's head, it can still bite you? after the fact that it's been decapitated for a pretty decently long time afterwards. There are a lot of cases where people cut the heads off of rattlesnakes or venomous snakes and then get bitten by a decapitated snake head and it almost kills them or kills them. It's such a strange phenomenon, but yeah, the meaning of of what you're asking that what you're asking me um, a severed snake head on your doorstep after a fight with your dad most likely represents that this fight needed to happen to lead you into where you're supposed to be in your life. Now, our next submission, I have seen my parents dying in my dreams and have experienced sleep paralysis at the same time. What does this mean? So first off, Your parents dying in your dreams is usually representative of a major change in basically the normalcy that you've been existing in your entire life. Like something very foundational is about to change in your life. The sleep paralysis part of it 
maybe is even the more interesting part here because most people that experience sleep paralysis either have a very similar experience to seeing dark figures and, you know, seeing creatures in their room, basically nightmares manifesting. You are seeing something much more personal to you. So maybe this is just your version of the chaotic energy in your daily life manifesting into nightmares. But if I were you, I would look for any foundational change in your life that is causing you this type of stress that could be manifesting as sleep paralysis or as dreams about your parents dying. And now our next submission. Once a spell to make someone throw up backfired against me and it was awful as fuck, but well, I guess I'm still here, so... Um, so this one's about witchcraft backfiring. I've actually heard a lot of stories like this where basically someone partakes in a ritual that they're trying to either gain something that is outside of their reach or they're trying to hurt someone in some serious way. And the common theme between a lot of stories like this is that the energy that they are trying to direct negatively actually hits them instead of their intended target. I think that this happens because when you are when you are conducting this type of spell work, you are basically lowering your own vibration to this place where you are able to manifest negative energy and manifest negative things for other people and it becomes more and more unpredictable if you don't know what you're doing so i always tell people a good rule of thumb for practicing witchcraft is if you've been doing this for a long time and you know exactly what you're doing then you're probably clear to do some sort of negative spell work and have it not come back to hit you too. But if you're a beginner in any way, shape, or form, if you've been doing this for a year, even five years, and you're not that deep into your craft and your understanding of how witchcraft and spell work works, then you should probably steer clear of projecting any negative energy onto anyone at all. It can be a pretty dangerous thing to participate in spell work that you don't truly understand how it works. Moving on here, how do I safely use a Ouija board? So I've used a Ouija board a lot of times in my life. And when I was young, my mom actually taught me how to best use a Ouija board and keep myself safe. And the way to do this is you have to do it, one, with a group of people that are actually keen to protecting themselves spiritually. So, like, if you are just doing this with a group of random people and there are skeptical people in the group and there are people that are willing to push the boundaries of what is respectful uh, when you're dealing with the dead then that isn't the right type of group to to use a Ouija board with, at least safely. 
You want to have everyone in the group be 100% confident in their skills in regards to protecting themselves spiritually. You want to have, you know, candles burning or incense. You basically want to have created a safe space for yourself and to open the doors to outside energies. And then you also want to be respectful of the entities that you're talking to. A lot of people claim that Ouija boards, you can only really communicate with the very lowest of the low in terms of uh, basically like negative entities. You can only really commune with like low vibrational entities. I don't personally believe that to be the truth. I think that you could potentially commune with whatever spirit or energy is left in the place that you're doing the Ouija board. To do it safely, you really just need to have a clear plan for spiritual protection against anything negative that might come through. Because when you're doing this, obviously there is a chance that you are going to connect with something from beyond the veil that is aggressive or isn't necessarily looking to answer your questions, but is instead looking to walk through the open door that you've created to commune with these spirits and these energies. Another big piece of doing the Ouija board safely is if you haven't played with the Ouija board a million times, then don't do the Ouija board by yourself because that is, it can be very overwhelming when you're alone and participating in an activity like this. If you're just starting out, this is much safer to do with a couple of friends that you really trust. And you also, you want to not be worrying about whether or not it's true. You want to be doing this with people that you know aren't going to deceive you deliberately so that you can focus on connecting to the energies beyond the veil. All in all, I think Ouija boards are not that dangerous if you're using them smartly, but the key there is using them smartly. Definitely respect the dead, definitely take precautions, and when you're done using the Ouija board, definitely close out of your session, clean your spaces, and cleanse your spaces energetically so that you know for sure you have closed the doors that you are opening to commune with the spirits. Okay, our next response here. Tell us about something paranormal that happened to you that you haven't spoken about yet on your page or on your podcast. Okay, so instantly what I thought of was my dad has been in construction for like 35 years and he used to have this old beat up boom box that was covered in spackle and like basically destroyed and it broke one day and so he brought it home and like I said this thing was covered in spackle all sorts of beat up and he tried putting batteries in it he tried plugging it in over and over again it just wouldn't work anymore it was sitting on my kitchen table and I was doing my homework. This is when I was in high school. I was doing my homework and my mom was making dinner. And me and my mom were talking about my godfather, my dad's brother, that passed away in a motorcycle accident. 
And while we were talking about him, the radio turned on by itself and started playing Walking on Sunshine. And the weirdest part about it was that it wasn't plugged in and it didn't have batteries and it wasn't working like an hour before this. My dad tried everything to get this thing to work. And me and my mom just looked at it, stood there, both of us just completely shook that this was happening because we were just talking about someone in our family that had passed, someone that I was very close to as a child. And all of a sudden it just shut off and it never worked ever again after that. And so that's a paranormal story that I've never told on Tara Reader Peter yet. You heard it here first. And now our next submission. Do you connect with the entities of the stories you are reading when you're reading them? Can you feel the energy or the vibes of the person writing the story? So first off, I think that I can very much so connect with the energy of whatever the story is about. And so much so that a lot of times doing this podcast, afterwards I either have a headache or I feel very drained. And I'm always sure right after I finish doing this that I go and I cleanse my energy and I eat something and I drink a lot of water and I basically recharge myself because dealing with the paranormal is a draining thing, especially if you're not taking in the same amount of energy that you're putting out or you're trying hard to connect and, you know, not establishing a connect, a you know, a positive connection with these energies. Um, obviously, a lot of these stories are about darker things. And so I think that's why it's so draining. But I also think it's worth mentioning that almost every single time that I sit down to make this podcast, there is some sort of weird disturbances that stop me initially from recording and it'll be anything from my phone glitching and turning off and not turning back on to my refrigerator in my in my apartment making loud squealing noises to my neighbors playing super loud music or you know revving their car engine in their driveway it just always seems that no matter what time of the day or night that i sit down to record this there is always some sort of something trying to stop me from recording it. One week, it was that my printer wouldn't print the stories that I was going to read for that week. It's just been kind of endless with the distractions here. But I think that's one of my favorite parts about this podcast is that I do get to connect to strange energies and feel them out and seek to understand them. And having them try to stop me from speaking about them definitely makes me want to do this more, which, you know, is kind of opposite of what they're going for, I'm sure, if there is some sort of energy that is trying to stop me every week from recording this podcast, then I'm sure they're pissed that I just said that. Next up here, we have a brief story. I saw my ex-fiance's face change on multiple occasions. It was like a hologram would go over his face, and I've seen it many times. 
There were three of them that it would transition to. One was an older man, one was his age, and the other was a younger face, but it looked very sinister. We also had a spirit that stayed in our room, but only paced on his side of the bed. He definitely had a shadow attached to him. He called it his protector, though I'm not sure what it was. One day, it pushed me out of the way when we got into an altercation. He ended up committing suicide in September. Since then, I've had doors close in my face. Objects move across the table, my car door opened by itself, my car radio volume turned up and down, orbs, the sound of rustling papers, footsteps in my room, the smell of his vape, and LED lights changing colors to colors that shouldn't have been possible. So right off the bat, I've actually heard in person from someone that I used to work with a very similar story to this where they would see their partner's face essentially change or have this vision of someone else when they were looking at their partner's face. Very often, this is a huge indicator that this person has some sort of very aggressive or very dark negative energy that is attached to them or lives inside of them and made even more apparent to me by the context of this story here that, you know, you guys, obviously, he, this shadow pushed you out of the way during an altercation. If you were having serious altercations, then I'm sure that this dark energy was also festering inside of this person. And a lot of this activity that surrounds negative entities and negative energies being attached to someone really truly come to manifest in your most personal spaces and at night while you are vulnerable. So usually what goes together with a story like this is that the partner of this person um, would typically have these dreams where they are floating in bed or they're spinning around in circles floating above their bed in a very lucid dream type of way. They would also be having a lot of dreams about seeing their partner's face changing and seeing them become different people. That is very typical of someone that has some sort of deeply rooted negative attachment. And I think that that's exactly what was going on here. It's very sad that it comes out in this story that this person committed suicide. I wish you all of my condolences. And I just hope that now that you are experiencing strange things since this person is gone, you should really go the extra step in making sure that you are protected yourself because people that have negative attachments become negative attachments. So definitely protect yourself from here on out. Our next question 
how can I feel more protected in my own home? And so I'm assuming that they mean spiritually protected here. The first thing that I recommend to a lot of people is coming up with basically like a name for your house that your enemies could never guess. And this could be anything. It could be like the Forgotten Castle of Doom, just as an example. It could be literally anything that you want to come up with, but you should name your house something that not everyone is able to figure out so that when someone is trying to direct negative energy at you, even just in passing, when you meet strangers or you know someone gets road rage at you or something, that they can't be like, send negative energy to this person's house, that they would need to know the exact name of your dwelling in order to actually hit you with that energy when you're home. So that's my first tip. My second tip and something that I swear by is taking full moon water. So basically taking a clear jar, putting it out to sit in full moonlight during a full moon, and then taking it in before morning And then mixing that with some sort of window cleaner or soap and cleaning all of the windows and doors to your home with that. And then letting it air dry. That is a major way of breaking any negative hold or negative energy that might have a hold on your house and on your dwelling. And it's great for refreshing the energy that you are allowing into your space. It's basically like rescinding the invitation to any negative energy to come in from the outside. So that's something that I swear by. You can also put clear or reflective crystals in your windows or above your, basically above your windows or above your doors. That works too. And then overall, I think that There's a lot of power in recognizing that your house and your space has an energy of its own and embracing that energy and asking that energy to take you into its protection is a very powerful thing to do as well in terms of protecting yourself. So those are some good ways. Those are my basic ways of finding more stability and more security in your own home against outside negative energies. And now our next submission. I was up late at 3 a.m. and I heard a laugh in my house, but I was alone. Has this ever happened to you? So I've never particularly heard a laugh, but a couple years ago, I kept waking up every single night at about 2.30 and not being able to go back to sleep. And during this time, there was a lot of there was a lot of things in my life that were up in the air. A lot of things that I needed to figure out to feel okay on a regular basis. And I was pretty stressed. And I remember a lot of these nights that I was waking up at 2:30 a.m. I would be awake for a little while and then I would hear some sort of smash at my door and I would go look and there would be nothing there. And it creeped me out to the point where I had to get dressed and go outside and fully investigate the entirety of my property 
to figure out whether or not someone was fucking with me for real because it was happening consistently. And I discovered that it was no one, that this was just happening on its own. And so experiences like this, when you are up late at night and you hear something that it cannot be explained, most of the time that is a spirit trying to get your attention for one reason or another. Now, you heard a laugh. I would say the most important piece of determining whether or not what you heard is malicious or platonic is how you felt when you heard that laugh. If you were scared, then there's reason to protect yourself by cleansing your spaces, by putting up walls of protection, etc. If you weren't scared, if it sparked some other emotion, then there's potential that it could have been a spirit that is connected to you in some way. And so I urge you to reflect on this situation and try to discover what your true emotions were in the moment of hearing this laugh in order to determine what it was. The next question is about the stickers that I sell in my Etsy shop. And it says, does a spell sticker really work? How is it a spell? And now I like to look at it like this. I have a sticker on my water bottle that says, the universe conspires to make me rich. Every single time I take a sip from that water bottle, I think about it. And I think about how there is energy in this universe that wants to see me win, that wants to make me money, that wants to make me wealthy in more ways than just financially. And every time I think that, it sits in my brain and it goes into basically a vault of all of the thoughts that are derived from seeing this sticker about the universe conspiring to make me rich. And so even if it doesn't work energetically, which I personally believe that it does by helping you align your intentions and keep your intentions aligned with, you know, basically a wealth mindset. It just helps to reprogram your subconscious to view money and wealth and stability as something that is easily gained in your life, which that is a major piece of manifesting wealth is living inside of this space where you feel secure, like there is always more money to be made. It is not, it is not a resource that you are lacking. It is not something that you have to scramble to find. It is something that the universe is bringing to your doorstep. So personally, I believe it works in both of those ways. And I put a lot of thought into the wording of these stickers. And basically, I think that I wouldn't be selling them if I didn't feel that they were impacting my own life in a positive way. And now for our final submission of the day. I love collecting dolls. And I want to buy potentially haunted dolls off of the internet. Do you think I should do it? Why slash why not? 
Now, personally, I would never do this. At least, I would never do this to keep them in the place where I live on a regular basis. And the reason is because when you're buying something that is potentially haunted from someone that you don't know on the internet, there's no way of knowing for sure whether what you're buying is haunted on accident or haunted on purpose. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of entities in this world that once they are attached to someone, the only way to break that connection is to seal them into something else, like a doll, or like a box, or a jar, or literally anything it could be. A dresser, literally anything. So in buying haunted dolls on the internet, it's not necessarily the most dangerous thing because they're haunted. It's potentially much more dangerous because they might be tampered with through some sort of spell work that has attached a spirit to them, which that is much more malicious and definitely much more dread-filled of an experience to buy something that has had a very aggressive negative energy trapped into a physical inanimate object. That is something that I really don't wish on anyone to have to experience. So definitely, if you're buying haunted dolls off the internet, be very careful with what you choose to buy. And when it arrives and you open them and you see them for the first time, definitely trust your intuition when you are deciding whether or not to keep them in a house that you live in. So to wrap up this week's episode, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that has listened to all of the episodes of this podcast that I put out. If you're a new listener, thank you for listening to this one. This is our 10th episode, and this is my second attempt at making a podcast all together. So making it to 10 episodes is really a big feat for me. Um, I'm I'm proud of the progress that we've made in making this a reality, making this podcast happen. I love connecting with you guys over your creepy experiences, over the occult, over the unknown, and you know exploring mysteries with you guys. That is something that I'm truly passionate about. I have a very wide scope and vision for what I want this podcast to be for the future. I would love to do interviews. I would love to do paranormal explorations. I literally have so many ideas and I want to expand this from just being stories about the paranormal to basically exploring the paranormal, exploring the occult. And I hope you guys are up for that ride with me. Once again, I appreciate your support so much, guys. If you have a story or an experience of your own that you would like discussed on Creep Me Out, please send it to trpcreepmeout at gmail.com. 
If you want more creepy content, more modern witchcraft, follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Tarot Reader Peter. It's been a lovely week with you guys. I can't wait for next week. I'll see you then.